Hello, and welcome to Risk Chats with A-Firm. Today, we'll be speaking with Nicole Purry, Risk Management Officer at the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, about their ERM program. Nicole, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, great. Well, I'm excited to hear all about uh, what you do over at uh, PBGC, um, the risk management work you do over there. And uh, I thought if you could start off by letting our listeners know kind of, you know, what's what's unique about your agency and your role over there at your agency. Sure. Uh, yeah, so I am the risk management officer at uh, the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. And, um, I, you know, one of the things actually that's unique about my position and um, get into a little bit what I do as well, but one of the things that, that is unique is I was actually hired because of a congressional mandate. So there's very few, I think, agencies, maybe one other that I know of, where Congress actually said, uh, hey, you need to actually hire a risk management right. officer. Um, and so what, what happened was that was in 2012 and the agency, um, you know, after a new director came in, they, they brought me in. And at the time, because they knew enterprise risk management was coming through A123, they actually decided to go ahead and implement A123, um, oh, right. enterprise risk management um, at the same time. So they wrote that into the job description. Oh, okay. So it's a little bit unique. So it was not so much that the agency was really burning <laughs> um, and wanting to implement ERM, but they, they knew that there was that congressional mandate out there. Um, but the, the director did embrace the concept, so that right. was a good part. Um, so, you know, some of the things that I do, I chair our risk management council, probably one of the mm-hmm. things I spend the most amount of time on. Um, that council is made up of, I would say, mid-level executives. And so I spend a lot of time with them, helping them understand what we're trying to do with ERM to really, you know, get their minds around um, you know what we need to do to be able to change the culture, um, right. and the, and that's a great group of people that I work with. Um, <clears throat> and then I, in general, I lead the implementation of ERM. Um, you know, right now what that means is we just implemented a risk assessment process that really <clears throat> involves. Um, all parts of the organization. So we, we really made sure to look at every part of the organization as we're identifying and then starting to mitigate those top risks. Um, there were efforts before I got there that, that looked at risk, but this it's much more holistic now. And we, we have a process to escalate those risks to the top and that the senior executives have embraced that and have been working on trying to mitigate those. So that's been great. Um, I collaborate with those senior executives on risk strategies and the framework for mm-hmm. the agency, for the ERM for the agency, and that's gone um, pretty well. We've gotten um, a framework into place in the 18 or so months I've been there. Mm-hmm. And I spend a lot of time coordinating risk management activities across the corporation. So again, of course, there were risk management efforts going on before I got there. So we, we try to make them... Um, consistent and uh, to have more of a corporate approach make sure people know what the you know the top corporate risks are as opposed to just the risks that they deal with you know day to day the more right. program level risks um, I, I provide technical expertise on enterprise risk management um, so you know that has been that has been fun and, and an interesting um, I think something that's been a little bit new to to them mm-hmm. um, so having somebody that they can go to for technical expertise I think has provided a lot of value especially on Um, some areas like information technology where they already have a lot of, uh, you know, risk activities that they do, but they don't quite know how to integrate it with ERM. So so I've been able to to work with them on that. And 
Another thing I do is assess and report on risk compliance. You know, we use, of course, there are existing methodologies that we have, but um, I've also tried to bring in some new and innovative ideas, um, new strategies for them to look at. And then lastly, we have both an advisory committee and a board of directors, so I do report on risk to both of those organizations. So. And how often do you all, you know, do you report up or, you know, what's the kind of frequency of yeah. meetings? So our advisory committee meets uh, every other month, and I have, uh, so far I've met with them twice, um, and they're starting to get more interested in it, so I, I expect that, I probably won't talk to them every month, but maybe twice a year, three times a year, something mm-hmm. like that. The board is a little different. We we had a new board, uh, of course, with the change in administration, new board of directors. Sure. Um, our board is the the... Um, secretaries of Labor, Commerce, and Treasury, uh, and then there they designate sort of representatives. So you know those folks are busy, sure. <laughs> and sort of depending on who's in those, that position at any given time, there's more or less interest in different topics. And so um, I think right now, you know, we're we're trying to ease into um, the idea of giving ERM reports, and so we'll mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes. But it's it's a new thing, um, so there it, we don't have an established pattern yet. But I imagine at least once a year I'll be reporting to the to the board. Okay, no, I just had, I just have some curiosity questions. We have some specific topics today, but I was just curious as far as the operations of your program. Mm-hmm. Um, so similar to other agencies, I would guess you you do have a risk profile and you've developed all that as well? Or? Yes, yes. We have a risk profile. This We just completed our second one, okay. so we're in compliance. <laughs> exactly. Um, and that has been an interesting process. They yeah. they actually had started that. They they had a concept of what their top risks were before I ever came on board. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And so what we've done is make sure that that process is comprehensive so that we're not missing anything. Right. Um, and we've tried to then narrow down focus so that we make sure that my role is helping the corporation just look at what those top risks are um, and also to mitigate. I think there's a a good recognition that we need to spend more of our time on doing something about the risks than on just identifying them, which I think is, you know, yeah, it's good and it's perhaps a little unique to that agency. Right. So do you feel coming in in your role, you've been able to kind of help push some of that action? You know, we need to, you know, not just identify, but let's, let's do something about this. Let's actively manage the risks. Exactly. Yeah. That was one of my biggest focus, yeah. uh, focus areas. I really, <clears throat> I believe that if you're just identifying risk, you're not really um, adding a whole lot of value, honestly. <clears throat> yeah. So I think that when you're spending time to you know, reduce that risk or to take advantage of an opportunity that you see as a result of a risk, that's where you're really starting to add value, right? And that's where over time, um, executives will see that it's worth their time to to invest in this process. Right. So yeah, so that's always been a big focus of mine. And I think we have already started to see um, some results come out of that. We had one risk that we were looking at last year that had to do with uh, one of our biggest programs and its kind of its ability to get data, use the data that it had, um, and just to sort of better wrap its arms around, um, you know, how to improve that process in the future. Mm-hmm. And went out to OMB and said, "Hey, we this is a risk, and we we need." You know, we'd like some money to address right. it, and they agreed. And so, certainly, identifying it as a risk didn't hurt. <laughs> Absolutely, so. no. I mean, a lot of folks I've talked to. I mean, this is really becoming something very important for strategy and budget, for sure. I mean, this is where we have 
major risk areas we need to address these and you know funding goes with that of course so exactly that's well and this kind of delves into our first topic here which is I really want to talk about kind of how you feel about the CRO's role in the organization should it be kind of an independent sort of position or how would you characterize it for it to work best yeah I so this is something that I have felt since I first started learning about enterprise risk management and what its role was in the organization, that it's really important that a chief risk officer, um, you know, maintain some level of independence mm -hmm. from, you know, really everything, everything going on mm -hmm. uh, in the organization, uh, whether you're reporting to, you know, a CFO or uh, you know, a dep, uh, uh, like a deputy secretary right. or um, whatever it might be, whatever level you're reporting to, you need to maintain independence in that reporting. Um, it's, and I think a lot of people hear the word independence and they start to think, well, that's the IG and mm. we're not, it's not the same. Right. And I think, yeah, it's not exactly the same. Um, there are differences because IGs usually either report directly to you know the head of an organization or even in our case actually RIG reports to our board of directors right. so there there's a little difference there in terms of um, how that works out but I think the concept is similar right mm -hmm. the IG should have independence so that they feel um, that they can always bring something to light that they believe is an issue and when you think about what a chief risk officer does, it should be the same. If you, as a chief risk officer, are constrained by the politics of the organization mm -hmm. and you feel that you know you don't have the ability to talk freely about what's going on, right. you're, you're kind of not really doing your job, right? Exactly. Um, and so I, I, w I feel like that's really important. And it's harder for us, I think, sometimes, because when you have an internal role, and you're working with people closely, trying to establish relationships so that people will trust you to mm -hmm. talk in order to talk about risk and to do something about these risks. Um, it becomes more difficult to. Um, it becomes more difficult to uh, sort of maintain that independence, right? right? right. Um, because you you want to you want to make sure people trust you and. Um, That. Um, so at any rate, so that's that's what I I think is important to you know maintain that independence, but it can be a little bit more difficult when you're in the internal role. So what's important, what, what you have to do, I think, when you're a chief risk officer, is to make sure you're you're always kind of coming back to what that vision is and you know what your role is in the organization, and always be reminding yourself that yes, there's probably going to be a lot of pushback in certain areas. Certain, you know, people don't want to change the way they do things. They don't want to rock the political boat. But if you don't, if you don't do those things when they're needed, um, then you 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 could be missing out on opportunities to, um, you know, move the organization forward. Right, and I mean things that you know a lot of big risks and agencies are political risks or you know, things that aren't necessarily just a budget or uh, you know something some things are perceptional or you know how do, how do they how do, how do folks see your agency um, and I think you know if you can't get folks to talk about that and bring it out then you know you're not really like you said doing your job as a yeah. risk officer yeah. Um, yeah yeah I mean every day you know senior executives are making decisions about 
shifting resources from here to there, you know, what's a priority today and what isn't a priority. And they don't want to make those decisions public a lot of times, right? And certainly understandably, um, those are often sensitive, you know, management decisions that if the public just randomly found out just pieces of information, you know, could be, yeah, could be difficult. And so, uh, you know, I I think as chief risk officers, we of course have to be sensitive to that, that that's not, the point isn't just to be completely open and transparent and, (laughs) um, you know, to not um, provide any context for what we do. So you, so there, you, ha- you have to walk a little bit of a line. But the point is to be honest with the people internally, right? I mean, when you're, mm-hmm. if you're reporting to your director or your secretary or deputy secretary, whoever it might be, um, that you are honest with them about what you see and let them make the final decision, as opposed to trying to hide the information or say, well, this person didn't want me to say that or, or what have you. Right. So, did I understand correctly? Do you also support internal control work at the agency, or is that a different function? Actually, we so we have a process that separates the two. Okay, all right. Yeah. So. No, because that, I was kind of thinking also the independence aspect. You know, sort of the you know, internal audit function in a way has to be independent as well, right? The yes. Twenty three folks, um, and then beyond that, you also kind of have a similar. You know, you want to kind of keep independent as well. So right. Yeah, it makes sense. But because you know, you want to be able to do. I mean, OIG really does try to you know stay kind of separate you know kind of make the recommendations um but in you know i-123 as well as i think risk officers i mean it's sort of a hybrid role in a way you know Mm -hmm. you're you're advising but you're also kind of keeping that third party perspective too so it's a unique challenge yes it is absolutely yeah i am i'm lucky in that our uh, folks who do have responsibility for the internal controls and you know mm-hmm. now just controls yeah, right, exactly. yeah. <laughs> um, part of our work are very supportive of enterprise risk management so um, you know they we have cross-participation um, our director of internal controls sits on the risk management council I sit on our internal controls committee mm-hmm. um, and so we we do spend a lot of time thinking about and talking about that interaction, although the responsibility for those two is separated. So it's, it's a right. little, I don't think it's different, but it's, um, you know, it's one approach. Uh, it seems to work for the agency, though. So, and, and remind, me, remind me again, uh, so what are your lines of reporting? You know, wh- who do you report to? Sure, so I report to the director of PBGC. Okay. Um, and um, so I sit in the office of the director, technically, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, then that that's that's an interesting whole subject in and of itself. Sure. Um, <laughs> it has some it has pros and cons, um, you know. And actually, before I came to PBGC, I worked at HUD, mm-hmm. and at HUD I was the deputy director for the Enterprise Risk Management Division, right. which was within Public and Indian Housing, which was a component of HUD. So I, you know, it was it was several levels down from sure. the secretary right. of right. HUD, obviously. And, um, you know, so I saw, I, I have kind of firsthand experience with both approaches, right? Working mm-hmm. sort of under the radar and then reporting, you know, directly to the top person. Right. Um, and I think both can work. Both have, again, pros and cons, pluses mm-hmm. and minuses. Um, you know, I think in the case of PBGC, it's a small agency, so right. um, it's helpful to have the ear of the director. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so far, you know, that, that seems to be working reasonably well. Great. Um, and I was, I was just curious, what you know, what um, what advice would you give other agencies? I mean, I know some, for example, uh, some some folks I've talked to, they have dual roles as a risk officer, but also, I mean, in some cases, a deputy financial officer or a you know management area, different kind of you know dual roles. And I don't know if that's partly due to 
you know, the size of the agency or just they're trying to figure out how this role actually should work? You know, mm-hmm. what, what would you, you know, how would you recommend to folks out there? So, yeah, I think, I think for many organizations, you make a good point in that perhaps if it's a small organization, they mm-hmm. need to have somebody, you know, focused on two different areas. Right. And, you know, if, if you have the okay, the kind of buy-in of your management to mm-hmm. move forward with ERM, I don't think it matters, you know, yeah. whether you, you're, you're filling two roles. I mean, as long as you can do both effectively, of course. Sure, sure. Um, but, you know, if you have the freedom to move forward with enterprise risk management and you're getting the support you need, uh, that's wonderful. Um, you know, I think if you're in a position where the agency has decided to sort of group or, you know, sort of put enterprise risk management under the CFO or, you know, inter- with internal controls right, just right. because they think it's a financial function, mm. that's more difficult. Okay. And that's right. where I think, you know, most of the people I know that are in roles like that are really passionate about ERM and they believe that this is you know, something that will make the organization better. And so they spend the time and the energy and the effort to, you know, convince their senior leadership and, uh, you know, convince them that this is worthwhile and they should spend time on it and so forth. Right. You know, imagine there's people out there that don't and that, you know, they may not be yeah. interested in this podcast. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I think that you, you can easily do both. I know people also that do strategic planning and performance and mm-hmm. enterprise risk management. Right. So, you know, any of those things can be combined because right. they're all related. You know, I would I think it'd be interesting to see somebody who does who's the budget director and you know yeah. <laughs> does ERM and see how that works out. Well, it's perspective it's kind of your independent role, but also you know understanding of the bigger picture of the whole organization. You know, you're not just looking at it from a financial viewpoint or a HR viewpoint, whatever it may be. So, I think it's great where you where you are. You, you kind of have you know you're looking across the truly the full enterprise and you try to you know. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely key to this position to be able to have that perspective. If you don't have the access mm-hmm. or the ability, um, you know, you have to you have to have that information to be able to right. do your job effectively. Okay. Well, speaking of which, so this kind of goes to our next area um, as far as gaining the buy-in from the stakeholders throughout the organization, and how do you demonstrate, you know, the value that ERM programs bringing to the agency? Yeah. So, value is. Um, one of those things that, man, it's it's a huge subject, and it is something that I think w- even in the private sector they still struggle with. And it's so much easier in the private sector because really everything comes down to cash flow, right? Yep, yep. I mean, they're they're there to make money. Right. In the government, we don't have that. So how do you how do you show value? Everybody has a different definition. Um, and so I've thought I've spent a lot of time thinking about this because I think it's not only an interesting topic, but one that is going to make or break enterprise risk management in the long run for in the federal government. So, uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, one of the biggest questions is, how do you do it? Right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we all kind of, you can think about what is value to my organization, and you probably have a pretty good idea. You can name a couple of things off the bat that the organization values, mm-hmm. but how do you actually do it? Um, and, and there's really no magic answer. I think that's the reason why probably we haven't, as a community, spent a lot of time documenting and, and thinking about this because it's not like there's going to be one answer that fits every agency. It's just right. not going to be that way. Right. So, um, you know. I think what you have to do is to actually take that time to dig down into your own agency and come up with 
the answers, very individualized answers. Um, and when you think about these things, it also has to be something that has longevity. How do you span administrations, uh, right. you know, to the extent that you can? I mean, yeah. you may not always be able to. We have had, you know, there's a, been a major paradigm shift recently. It may mm-hmm. be hard in some agencies to really to do that. But then again, there's some things that are really long term problems, you know, challenges, risks that we face across government that we may be able to, um, you know, if we can add value in those areas, that would span across administrations like staffing and, you know, like, you know, technology modernization, Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, So, you know, what I've done personally is started looking at um, a model for for enterprise risk management that gets away from the kind of you know, sort of simplistic view of looking at probability and impact, which mm-hmm. is a great place to start. I actually yeah. think it's it's fine to start there. There's sure. nothing wrong with it. Um, but it doesn't give you the um, precision, I think, that you need. And it also doesn't always, it, it it's, doesn't help you focus in enough on where the value is. Mm-hmm. So it's just a very generic look, right? Sure. And if you're not if you're not well trained, if you're not sort of um, really, th- you know, able to tune in to what the true risks are to the mission of the organization, then that approach probably, you know, it's only somewhat effective. It's not going to get you to 100 percent or, you know, as effective as yeah. be as effective as it could be. So anyway, what I've started to do is to look at a model that will combine actually getting away from a strategic plan and just looking at value. What is the organization value? And can we come up with some metrics that would measure that value? Right. Um, so, you know, for instance, one of the things that we looked at was, or that I would like to look at is um, the, like how, how much we spend in legal fees hmm. and how much we get in return for that. Right. So, you know, our organization spends a fair amount in only not only internally on lawyers, but also we have outside counsel. But we get a lot of value out of that because we are able to recover um, money that pension plans or individual employers might have put towards something else Mm -hmm. and not put into the pension plan. And we're able to, you know, get that money back. You either, I mean, in our case, it's for the corporation, right? It's for the benefits that we have to pay out to the, um, for our own obligations. Mm -hmm. But uh, the concept is the same. So, you know, if we have a pretty good ratio there and we can justify the legal fees, then that may be an area where that, you know, that really adds value and that we can demonstrate adds value through that metric. Right. Um, and there, there's, there's other things too. I mean, another one that we, um, that could perhaps be used at PBGC would be like keeping down the number of audit findings, you know, to, yeah. to PBGC, that's really an important thing is to, mm-hmm. to try to keep audit findings under control. And right. we do, we already spend a lot of time and effort on that. So a metric that showed the amount of time and effort that we spend um, and really put that up as a value driver mm-hmm. for PBGC, I think would um, would be an interesting place to start, right? right? So you take these value drivers, this, the way this model works is you take these value drivers and you have some measurement of them. And then you go out and you talk to the subject matter experts, just like you would do, yeah. I think, in any risk assessment process. You right. talk to those folks who know it and say, mm-hmm. what is it that's going to prevent you from being able to meet this? Or, you know, what opportunities would you have? You know, again, the, mm-hmm. the risks. Mm-hmm. 
But then this, the, the next part is where it changes from what we do now. So then you take that information and you, you develop um, deterministic scenarios that look at not only one of those events occurring, but also perhaps multiples of those events. Mm -hmm. So you can now, once you have these, this model done with this deterministic scenarios in it, you can actually quantify what your risk is going to be of either one event or multiple events occurring. Right. And it becomes more precise. Um, it assigns a better quantitative number, right? So instead right. of just saying uh, one to five, exactly. <laughs> we're right. really somewhat guessing, yeah. which is okay to start with again. But I think as you get more sophisticated with this, you want a more precise answer and you want to really focus in on what those Absolutely. those risks are. So, so that's the overall, that model works with a, a value-driven approach. And so right. that's something that I'm really interested in doing. Um, I think it works, it's an adaptation from what is done in the uh, private sector. Mm -hmm. um, some organizations do it, it's a you know, specific approach. Um, but it can work for the public sector if you can identify what those value drivers are. Right. And again, that and so this is why it's hard to apply it across government in general because you have to do the work to your well, own the agency. The approach makes sense across, regardless, right? The yeah. approach makes sense. So, but what is yeah. value for a different organization, of course? Exactly. That's going to vary. Right. Yeah. Um, Even if you didn't have approach, I mean, even if yeah. you chose not to employ this model, but you just said, let's look at what the, you know, what our value drivers are, right, or what exactly. do we, for all the things that we spend money on or, or put our mm -hmm. resources and time into, are, you know, what are we getting value out? Right. Um, and are those the right, is that what's important to us? Uh, and this can be difficult conversations to have if you're not used to doing it, but right. yeah. I mean, a lot of agencies, they have whole programs just for that. This is meant to, this is specific value we're supposed to get for this grant or this yes. loan or this whatever it may yes. be. And yeah, and yeah. I think it helps if you are a large agency and you're already required to report under Giprama, um, because <laughs> PBGC is not. We're a small uh, agency, right, right, so we're right. exempted from the strategic review process, mm -hmm. and that um, it makes it a little more difficult because you have to go a couple steps back and convince people that it's even worth it to set performance measures at all. Yeah. But I think at least if you can say, this is what you know, you clearly um, value this particular area because you're mm -hmm. putting time and effort into it and as long as the rest of the senior executives in the corporation agree then that may be a good place to go as opposed to mm -hmm. trying to point to something esoteric in a strategic plan that they may not you know they say yeah we have to have that but it's perhaps not you know really representative of what we think is important right exactly no I love that approach um so and then you said this is something you have started doing to some degree or you're going to get more deeply into it yeah so we're looking into it um there's there's still groundwork for us to do in terms of you know convincing senior leadership that this sure. is a good approach and mm -hmm. it's worth mm -hmm. spending money on. Um, you know, I don't have a, you know any staff really, so it's not something that I can implement on my own. So right. you know, if we move forward, or we'll be moving forward with um, you know support and help to mm -hmm. do that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, let's get I have one more question for you today and uh, really was curious about how you feel the uh, interaction between the CRO and the IG you know well, what's a good what's a good relationship there or what's the especially for you guys you know what's kind of the you know the, the relationship there yeah well actually I'm really lucky I have an inspector general who is a huge supporter of ERM um, and I, I think you know, pr most people probably know that in our industry mm -hmm. uh, he's been there since before I came so yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think what is important in having a relationship with your IG is whether you're on the same page about 
the role that each of you play, mm. right? So in essence, our roles are very similar, but our approach and our toolbox is what's different. Right. So if, if you are working with an inspector general who agrees that their role is to help make the organization better, mm-hmm. then they should be open to enterprise risk management as a concept, mm-hmm. right? If you're working with an IG who, you know, is about cranking out audit findings, it's mm-hmm. going to be much mm-hmm. more difficult. Right. Um, but I think what's great is that we, we now have IGs out, you know, in, in the world who are saying, hey, this is what ERM can bring to the table for an inspector general. This is why it's beneficial, um, and this is why you should embrace it. Right. And so other IGs then can see that, oh, okay, this is not a threat to me. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's something that will actually you know, support um, everybody's work and support making government better in general. Um, and so that's the, I think that's the path to sort of a better relationship between inspectors general and the business. Right. Um, and so, you know, again, I'm lucky because I had that going in. So I didn't have to overcome all of that. I just had it. And then we, you know, we work from the point of, yeah, we, we understand that we're both here to do the same thing. Um, but we don't, you know, I wouldn't say that we get together and collaborate or, you know, sure. anything like that. It's not a, it's not the type of relationship where, um, you know, we're, we're working closely together. Um, RIG reviews his information independently. Mm-hmm. He um, determines what he thinks is important, what's risky for the corporation. Um, he's been very good about looking to get more information where he doesn't have enough. So he will go mm-hmm. to the folks on the business side and say, you know, I'd like to learn more about what you do so that I can provide better, you know, uh, you know, monitoring or, or audit. Mm-hmm. Um, of those things and make sure that I'm also focusing on the riskiest areas. He said, but you know, without, without any information, I just assume you're risky. <laughs> so that's been a, that's I think been an effective approach at PBGC where people have said, yeah, okay. Um, I would rather that you have the right information and that you help me <laughs> to right. reduce my risks or to better identify my risks or whatever it might be. Um, and so that that's, that's been pretty successful. Um, and so, again, perhaps that's, you know, a good model, you know, for others to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of how that has affected our relationship, it's uh, between myself and my inspector general. Um, you know, I just, th- I just think it has continued to make it more positive. It really supports what I do because I'm also trying to get our senior executives to better understand what their risks are and right. to take as open-minded of an approach as possible Um and to recognize that sharing information and you know perhaps a bit more transparency is generally helpful to trying to achieve their goals. Right. Um, and so, so it has worked well. And so we've been able to, I think, take more steps towards that than you know maybe others have. So I like to think we're leading the way a little bit in that. Um, but but overall, yeah, it's it's a good relationship, and I think it's one that if you get to experience it, it's really it's actually really helpful um, in terms of being a chief risk officer. Great. No, and I mean, I used to work in the IG early in my career and uh, was one of our, in our agency, I know uh, for sure if the ERM would have been around, we would have been our IG happy because they, you know, at least it would show that different programs, different areas, they're actually considering what are our risks and proactively doing something about it and even trying to, you know, to take some actions on them 
proactively and that was you know some places that did that you know that made our job a lot easier yeah. and uh you know so i think igs ideally would be hoping that agencies are embracing risk management yes so i would, I would think so yeah yeah so well nicole thank you very much for joining us today uh, i think we learned a lot and uh, appreciate taking your time um so again thanks and good luck and uh moving forward over at the pbgc thank you so much appreciate it all right thanks well that's our show thanks again for tuning in you can find us on afirm.org and you can provide us some suggestions for guests that you'd like to hear on the podcast so we'd like to hear from you and uh until the next one this is paul marshall signing out for risk chats with a firm <laughs>